Professor Ryan Valka's journey shows how you can find your own place in the legal community. He forged his career in the intellectual property education space, but was not afraid to step out to find ways to improve how the federal court system works. This is Profiles, a special series of the podcast, The Legal Impact, where you get to know the powerhouse people at UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. UNH Franklin Pierce is now accepting applications for JD graduate programs and online professional certificates. Learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. So Ryan, where does your educational journey begin that set you on your path? I was really interested in your undergrad major and what impact that had. Yeah, so um, so I did my undergrad at uh, Amherst College in, in Western Massachusetts. And um, there I studied, I was a double major. I studied computer science and what was called law, jurisprudence, and social thought. And so the what happened was I was originally planning on going to college to study computer science, and my my original thought was, oh, I'll, I'll you know go and I'll get a PhD in computer engineering or something or software engineering, and go work in industry, and that'll that'll be that. During my I guess it was maybe my sophomore year of of college, I I tried I actually tried to sign up for a, a different for a course on it was like punishment or something like that, like uh, law and punishment or something. It was a political science course. And um, as it turned out, it was a, it was a course, it was a seminar course for juniors and seniors. And I was only a, a sophomore. And so the professor who taught it wrote me a, a note and said, I'm sorry, I can't let you in the, in the course, but I have another course that's kind of similar called murder. Um, that, that was the I love the course. course names. Those are great yeah. course names. Yeah. Yeah. Murder was, was the name of the course. And it was a hugely popular course. It was always, you know, fully, it was like the you know, most popular course there. And um, so I said, okay, great. So I'll take that. And so I took the course and I just became fascinated with law at that point. And, you know, because we were looking at uh, the, you know, the, the law of murder through various lenses, through, you know, political lens and philosophical lens and racial lenses and gender lenses and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And it was really, it was really fascinating. So um, I started taking some other courses within the, the department, the LJST, Law, Jurisprudence and Social Thought Department. And just as I took more and more courses, I just sort of fell in love with law more and more. Um, by the time I was doing that, I was basically finished with the computer science uh, degree. But that is sort of what led me into my area of expertise and IP, which is that I was I was really trying to figure out how sort of law and technology interacted, and uh, that's what that's what led me to, to law school eventually. <laughs> I mean, what was your law school experience like? Yeah, uh, law school was, was great. I, I love law school. Um, the you know I, when I was um, when I was still an undergrad. There was uh, we had a we had a guest speaker. It was Larry Lessig from from Harvard Law School, came and he had just written a, a very influential book called Code and Other Laws of Cyberspace. Other and so he was presenting the book, and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I want to think about and do. And so, um, yeah, so I, I applied to law schools and, and got in and went, and I, I loved it. It was you know it was a great opportunity to sort of see how all of these pieces, you know, kind of work together or don't work together um, to, to create a system that, that works or doesn't work and, and needs refining. And so I was, I was really fascinated. I took, you know, uh, many uh, intellectual property courses while I was, while I was in law school and, uh, and then eventually went on to practice in, in that area and in other areas as well. Yeah, what I've found interesting about your angle on intellectual property is it's more on the instead of 
I feel like we have a lot of like the inventorship and uh, brand new like patents, like traditional patents and things like that. But you seem to be have you seem to have a different sort of focus compared to that. Yeah, I mean, to to a certain extent, I I mean, I, I focus on on some of the traditional uh, aspects, but you know, I, I look at some of uh, kind of some cutting edge technologies as well. I mean, part of that is inherent in looking at IP law, because I mean, especially on the patent side, is that you're you're always dealing with new technologies because um, that's what you get patents on. Uh, but you know, a lot of some of my research in the past is focused on uh, like genetically modified uh, seeds. And that was really sort of big, um, you know, several years ago and uh, kind of looking at some of the implications there. I've looked at 3D printing um, in the copyright space uh, before. And that, you know, that was that was and is still um, kind of a very interesting and cutting edge issue. But it, it's fun. To, I mean, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about IP is that you get to to work with these you know, new technologies and think about, you know, what's what's coming, what's in the future and how can this affect things and, you know, in good and bad ways. What was it like uh, practicing for those few years before you decided to go into teaching, which put we'll put a pin in that for now? Sure. Uh, practice was fun. I, I really enjoyed practice. I, I did a, uh, I had a, a mix of sort of practice areas. So I, I did IP work. I spent a lot of my time actually doing a lot of products liability defense work and you know, representing uh, you know, the companies in you know, asbestos and welding fumes and making you know, other gadgets that people got hurt using. But I also spent a lot of time on the, the IP side and I really did a mix of things. So I did a lot of uh, sports type licensing work. So I represented both athletes and uh, in companies who would do licensing deals for, you know, various sports products uh, or doing commercials for, you know, uh, car dealerships or you know, whatever it might be. And then um, I also did a lot of sort of entertainment work on the sort of music side of things, um, both on both sides, both for for plaintiffs and defendants. Um, but I, you know, I, I did a lot of counseling work as well, working with bands um, and, and you know, musicians trying to uh, to make it in the industry or trying to uh, to enforce their rights in the industry. And and so it was it was really kind of a, a mix. But I really enjoyed that because I got to do new stuff all the time. And, you know, I liked working on sort of big, important matters, you know, in the early, kind of early to mid 2000s, when all the um, like file sharing litigation was going on, you know, I was part of that. And um, that was really interesting to be part of that sort of major conversation. And at the same time, I, I loved working with, um, you know, sort of small time up and coming uh, artists, whether they be, you know, screenwriters or musicians or sculptors or whatever, um, because you, know, you get to work with them, get to know them and really help them achieve their their dreams. So it was fun. Judging by your path after practice, you certainly found a passion for teaching. So what was that journey like? So I practiced for a few years and then my my now wife, um, we were engaged at the time. She had a fellowship in New York City, uh, working for the, the health department there. And I, at the time, I'd started writing when I was in practice. I'd started publishing some articles, law review articles, and, and the like. And I was starting to think, you know, what do I like best about practice? Like, I, I enjoy practicing, but what what's the what's the best part of it? 
And I really enjoyed when I was in the library, sort of researching the minutia of, of some particular topic. And uh, and then sometimes it would turn into a, to a larvae article. And that I found, you know, really, really enjoyable. At the same time, I had a client actually, he was a, he was an entertainer and he was teaching a class at a community college. And he called me up one day and he said, would you be interested in giving a guest lecture on sort of the basics of copyright law uh, and the importance of having a lawyer to, for those in the entertainment world? I said, sure, I'd be happy to do that. So I show up at the class and, uh, you know, it was, it was a two hour class or something like that. And it was fantastic. I loved it. You know, as I was asking questions, the students were asking questions and, uh, there were the questions they were asking were ones that would relate to material that I was getting ready to talk about. So I could tell that they were making the connections, uh, to everything. And I, so at that point I thought to myself, well, you know, uh, I seem to really like teach. And I think I did it a, a second semester. He invited me back. And um, I said, you yeah, know, I seem to enjoy being in the classroom and I, I really enjoy publishing. Maybe uh, maybe the academic route is, is for me. Meanwhile, uh, my wife was in New York, um, her fiance at the time was in New York. And um, so I decided, hey, maybe I'll go and I'll do an LLM. Uh, and so I applied and, and uh, ended up enrolling at NYU uh, Law School to... Uh, pursue my LLM in intellectual property, and and also, of course, to be with my then wife. <laughs> um, she's still my wife, but she, to be with, <laughs> to specify. Be with, yes, to be with. She was then my fiance, and is now my wife. Um, but anyway, we could we could be together, uh, and I could also pursue my LLM, which would give me some time to uh, to to write and to publish and sort of. Uh, publish some more and kind of get my foot in the door that way. So I did that. And then uh, at the conclusion of the LLM, I, I applied, to, I think, literally all over the country for uh, teaching positions and ended up taking a uh, one-year visiting position at the University of Oregon Law School. And so we moved from New York to Oregon. And um, that was that was sort of how I kicked off my my uh, academic career at uh, at U of O. Uh, that was a great experience. I, I finished up my year there, went to uh, University of Denver for uh, for another visiting position for a year, and then um, and then left to join the University of Akron, where I was for about seven years before I joined UNH. Why UNH? Why why do you feel like it was a good fit here? Yeah, UNH was, I mean, UNH had always been on my radar as, you know, one of the leaders in intellectual property. And when the opportunity arose for, uh, to, to, to join the school, um, it, it really was an easy decision because, uh, you know, it, it had such a stellar reputation for being you know, known in the IP community as, you know, this is, this is one of a small handful of, of schools that are really known for intellectual property. And I was you know, very enthusiastic about having lots of, I mean, I, I had IP colleagues at, at my former school, but to have so many here that were doing so many different things um, and, and were so well regarded, it was, it was really a great opportunity that I couldn't, couldn't pass up. You spent some time traveling while you're at UNH too, uh, namely to Australia and China. I mean, what were those experiences like teaching abroad? Oh, they were fantastic. I, I, I'm sad that the pandemic 
uh, came about because it really interrupted my international travels. Um, but the, I, I love doing that. So yeah, the first uh, the first summer after I was here, I, I went to Melbourne, Australia, and taught at uh, Swinburne University uh, Law School, and I, I taught a course on United States IP law to a handful of Australian students. And that was, it was great because it was, it was fun because it was a completely different um, sort of teaching environment. And the students were really uh, like UNH, the, the Swinburne students also had a focus in, in IP. It's a school that's known for, for its IP program. And so the, the students were really interested in the t- topic. Uh, I got to learn, you know, a little bit about the Australian IP system because we could do a little bit of kind of comparative work um, and have those types of discussions. And uh, so that, that was really, that was really a lot of fun. Plus I got to you know spend like a month in Australia and that was, that was also pretty cool. Uh, I also, I went to China, I went to Wuhan, China, I guess it was 2019 maybe, and taught a course there on sort of hot topics in USIP law. And so it was a, it was a short uh, kind of condensed course. Again, the students were you know, really interested in IP. That's what they were studying uh, at Wuhan, and uh, it was it was it was a blast. Um, that was that was my first trip to China, and um, got to you know, really see you know, just a completely different uh, culture, which was a lot of fun, and get to to connect with students who were passionate about uh, learning about IP law, which is which is great. Is there a difference in the the way the students want to learn versus these th- these three uh, countries? Yeah, you know, in so in the U.S. and in, in law schools in the U.S. generally, um, the the classroom discussions are are very dynamic. There's a lot of back and forth between the professor and the students, you know, a lot of calling on the students to answer questions and to think deeply about the materials. Um, in Australia, it's kind of funny. So when I, when I got there, I, I really just kind of assumed that that was, that was the, the norm there. And so I started teaching the way that I, I teach in the U.S. And I, it caught the students, I think, a little off guard because, as I, as I later found out, um, the model there is more or less it was just sort of a, they call it a, a talk and chalk, where the professor just gets up and, and just lectures for, you know, an hour and a half and then, you know, or however long the class is, and then, uh, and then leaves. And then everybody comes back the next week and you lecture again and that was it. And so I think they were a little shocked at first, but... By the end, I think they really liked it. I, you know, I, I asked them because um, when I was speaking with their, I had lunch with the the dean at the time, and he was telling me that uh, that they were they were a little shocked. So I talked <laughs> to them about it, and by the end of it, they they liked it. They said, "Oh, you know, this is it's we're learning we're learning more. We're thinking sort of more deeply about the material, and we can understand it better." So I they they came around to it. Um, in China, it was it was very much just a lecture approach because, you know, there were sort of varying levels of English language proficiency in the class. So there were some students who, who were you know, perfectly fluent in English, others struggled a little bit more. So it was going to be more difficult to have kind of a, a dialogue. And, and also because there were so many sort of topics that um, some were kind of advanced topics, um, it, it would be it would be a challenge to, to do it that way. So there was more of just a, a straight lecture format, but it was it was still fun. I'm always surprised by the mix of topics you write about. It's 
how do you balance the realm of IP and tech with judicial practices in American law? <laughs> yeah, it, they they seem like there there is no connection there. Um, yeah, writing about like genetically modified you know seeds and three D printing, and then talking about like whether or not the the federal court system needs more judges. Um, there is a connection, uh, and the the connection is is that one of the the first pieces that I wrote uh, about a decade ago now was on the federal circuit, which is the court of appeals that hears basically all the patent cases. So I wrote this article looking at the the federal circuit and what it was doing when it would sit on bonk, when the whole, when the entire court would get together uh, to hear a case as opposed to just a three judge panel. And so I I wrote this article and it turned out to be fairly significant and influential. And from that, one of my uh, one of my co-authors that I do the judicial administration work with, he and I started working together on sort of thinking about a similar type idea in the copyright and trademark space. And as we started, so we started working on that. And as we did it, we realized that there was a much bigger story to tell about sort of judicial administration uh, generally. And so we sort of put the copyright and trademark piece on the back burner and decided to write this sort of huge article um, on on judicial administration. And so we finished that. That was published last year. Um, and it's also had a, a really terrific effect and people have certainly taken notice of that. Um, once we sort of did that and laid the foundation, we've now come back and we're, we're actually in the, in the middle of writing the article that we set out to write probably about seven years ago um, on copyright and trademark. So we're, we're actually, uh, we have a draft of that that's coming along. Uh, so they are connected. Um, we just, they're connected via a circuitous route. <laughs> it's more your passion for writing and scholarship, it seems like, really drives you. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to... I like to to look at problems and, and try to solve them. Um, I mean, that's what I mean, that, that's what lawyers are generally doing, and that's what engineers generally do as well. So, uh, I guess my background, going coming back to where we started um, about computer science and law, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. So, what I'm trying to do is figure out like what problems exist and how can we solve them in a in a way that makes sense. What's the future hold for Ryan Vaca? <laughs> that is a good question. Hope that I'll have the opportunity again once the pandemic is over to do more international traveling and to be able to to speak with with students from all over the world to talk about IP in, in their countries and in the US and, and elsewhere. My goals with respect to sort of my scholarship, um, you know, I have a lot of projects lined up with respect. To, to judicial administration and how it fits in with the sort of the IP context as well, trying to, to do some reforms of the federal judiciary um, that are, you know, there's the discussion has started um, in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to play a minor role in some of those discussions. And so hopefully that will continue and, uh, and we'll be able to make some real change. Thanks for listening to Profiles, a special series of The Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple, Google, and Spotify.